He's on the throne. We're going to finish up our series, Next, uh, Next Step Faith, today with uh, the word that says it's a continual fight of faith. That's how we began this series three or four weeks ago. We said, in the, we said we're, going to, we're going to be going from, from direction to direction, from thing to thing, that God's going to take us from one place to the next. He doesn't leave us the same. That he takes us from where we are in our life at, at this level, and he's taking us to a new level in our life. And as he does that, he does it by faith. And then in my life, as I continue to, to grow and expand and, and do all those things that God's asked me to do, and I'm sure in your life as well, uh, he's doing that. I, but he takes me back to the basics. When I think there's supposed to be like a graduate course, he takes me back to the basics. And there is a graduate course in the Lord. As you continue to follow him, you learn new things. You learn new, new truth. You learn and get new revelation, revelation about the word. But really, truly, the principles that we apply in our life as we walk by faith don't change. And so if you go back to the beginning, we talked about the fact that, that faith is. The first message was, what is faith? Well, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. No, it's not. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Maybe I need to go back and listen to that message again. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That faith really truly is believing. And then in our life, we have to believe what the Word of God says. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, more than what we see, more than what we taste and smell, more than what we, we, we know in our own mind, more than what we see in our checkbook, more than what the doctor tells us, more than what we see in our children and the lives that they're leading, we trust the Word of God and what He says what he's speaking to us by his Holy Spirit, and we believe that. And as we learn to walk in that, the second one was an exchange of strength, a little bit like what Lori was talking about today as we were going through communion and, and taking communion. That exchange, getting rid of our junk and taking and receiving his goods. That in this journey, well, no matter what the journey, you're in need of strength. And if you've been through, you know, plan A and you're, you're getting ready to move into plan B with God, I will tell you, you will need more strength in plan B than you needed in plan A. But the exchange of strength that took place during plan A takes place in plan B the same way. You give up your weakness and then in, in your weakness, he is made strong. That his Holy Spirit comes and he begins to meld and work and mesh with you and it takes you to a new place. It says that you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have been passed away and all things have been made new. Nothing happens when you're saved in your body that day in the church that all of a sudden you walk out and you are like, you, you look different. Now we say that there's a light and a life on the inside of us, but you didn't grow a third eye. You didn't get smarter while you were standing here. You didn't all of a sudden get two inches taller. You didn't drop 80 pounds when you walked out the door. Nothing changed in your physical body that way, but, but God changed something on the inside of you. And he made you a new creature in Christ. And you receive that by faith, getting rid of who you were and receiving who he is. And then last week we talked about resisting the enemy. The world, the world acknowledges just about, except for the ones who are the atheistic group, the world acknowledges that there is a God and that, that, that he is good. But then they want to question why bad things happen because they won't, they won't recognize the fact that there's an enemy. When you talk about God, people understand that, and people at least have, for the most part, some, some place where they can kind of agree that there is a God, that he is good. The problem is when you start talking about the fact that there's a devil or there's an enemy, that gets to be spooky. And it's more because people are afraid <laughs> that they're not living right and there actually is an enemy. 
And now they don't have to blame God. Now they have to blame the enemy. And if they're blaming the enemy, then that really is because of where they are in their life. And in your life, you'll be resisting the enemy all the time. Every day, every moment of the day, he is looking and seeking to devour your life. He wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his job. That's why he's placed in this earth. And our job is to resist him steadfastly, as it says in 1 Peter, steadfastly in the faith. That you resist him by faith and you, you, you fight and you, you, you come against and you stand against. We said based on a firm foundation of the word of God, but we use our spiritual weapons, the word of God, the things that he's given us. We'll talk a little bit about that maybe at the end tonight. But it's important because the enemy comes after you. A lot of people have said, I've heard people say this and I shared this last week. Well, I had it better off when I wasn't saved. Well, you weren't necessarily against him when you weren't saved. You've joined another team. And now you are the enemy of the enemy. And when you're the enemy of the enemy, he will come against you. But here's the deal. You are victorious now in this place where you stand. And if you understand the position in which you fight from, when you understand that you're fighting from a position of victory, standing on the firm foundation of the word of God that we would agree is infallible and will always come through in the end, if we will continue to stay in that place in faith, then we will see the victory walked out that we know that we have. But it's a day-by-day thing. And believers, and you know some, they get tired. And they're like, I'm tired of doing that. Can I just take a week off? (laughs) Well, good luck during this week because that might not be good for you. But if you're going to take a month off or you're going to take, you've seen people, they've come in and they've worked really hard. They They may have had their life turned upside down and just changed by God and just had their socks knocked off and were going in a direction. And then just all of a sudden, it seemed like a couple months later, they just disappeared. And you find them, and they're down and out. There's not a coasting period with God. You're coming with him, or you're going away from him. And somewhere along the way, they just decided to stop resisting, stop fighting, stop standing. It became too much work. It became too hard. This time, it's too much. Well, no, it's not. It's just the next thing. But each time you come through, each time you step out in faith, God will always make the way for you, and he'll always be there. And the next thing that he takes you to, the next step faith that we're talking about, always takes you to a new level, and it's always a better level. But in a new level, there's always a new devil, so you just continue to resist. So continually, we're going to fight the fight of faith. Right, and we're going to rely on him to be the rewarder of those who seek him. It says in um, Hebrews eleven six, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. It says, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. You know, you have to be the one. You have to know that he is there. You have to believe that he's real. I mean, why else would you pray to God if you didn't believe that he was real? But you also have to, you also have to believe that he is willing and caring enough to listen to what you're saying and to respond to it like because if you don't then why pray if those things aren't in your mind if you don't have that faith if you're not willing to let yourself be that vulnerable then why pray because you're you're not saying that you're saying you know I, I'm just going to say this because God's here, but I'm not really believing that He's there or that He's even listening or that He even cares about me. You have to settle those things in your heart, and when you get to that place that you believe that He's real, that you believe that He cares, that you believe that He's listening, then you put yourself in a position to really rely on or trust in who He is. 
because it says that he's the one. And in the uh, New King James Version, it says, um, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, once you get to that place, you're seeking who he is because you're putting your trust in him. And when you're putting your trust in him, then he's the one that does it. You don't have to make the reward. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to, you know, go conjure something up. You can just trust that he is the rewarder. Mm-hmm. You know, Noah built an ark without ever seeing rain because he knew God. He trusted God. He believed God. And in it, and in the message Bible, it says, By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of the dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. He acted of faith and drew a sharp line between evil and unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 when you step out, you, you, when you're to the place where you are going to step out, you're in a place where you have already settled those issues. I know God's real. I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. I know he's going to be there for me. I know that he's listening to me. I know that he's around me. And and you continue and if you continue to tell yourself those things and you continue to be settled in that place, then when you step out God will be the rewarder of what you do. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's an idea that God is a God of promise. But it's also a God of condition and that his promises are conditional in our life. Now, the thing that we have to understand is he he will fulfill his end of the bargain. He will take care of he, he's the guarantor of all of these promises that he has in his word. He's the one who speaks to you and sells you that thing in your heart. And he promises you this direction or this thing. And then he asks you to go a direction. He asks you to go a place. He, he's there's a promise of everlasting life if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your savior. There's a condition that's hooked with it. And out of your obedience comes that reward. Out of your obedience comes that blessing. And, and what happens in our life many times is we stop being obedient somewhere and then we stop getting blessed and we get cantankerous and upset because it's not the way that we thought it would be. And we begin to get upset with God when really truly in the end it's because of our disobedience. Noah was obedient and it saved his family. His family was not saved before he was obedient. Now, would his family have been saved had he not built that ark? Because there were people who were there who did not build the ark, who did not get in cahoots with Noah, who did not get in the boat with him, and they perished. The provision for him and his family was, it was from God, but it was if he built the ark. Now, we all want to be in that place, and we all want to be in a place of provision, We all want to be in a place where we know that God's going to take care of us, where his promises are going to be manifest in our life. Well, then we might need to build a boat. He had to go out and do something for God. He had to step out in faith. No different than any of us, Pastor Pam said just a few minutes ago, that you receive, but what is our part to play in that receiving? To give. There's always a condition that comes with that promise. And and the, the condition really truly is for our benefit. I think sometimes we kind of argue with God and say, well, you're making me do this, and I don't want to do this, but it's for your own good. Have you said that to your kids? (laughs) You need to do this the right way because it's for, they say, why? You say, it's for your own good. And they're like, well, I don't care if it's good or bad. (laughs) I just don't want to do it. But in your eyes, you know that that's the truth. 
The promise, really, truly, if you look at the definition, is grounds for expectation of success, to engage, to do, to bring about, or to provide in the verb form. But it's grounds for expectation of success. He's the promiser, the guarantor. He's the fulfiller of all the promises. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.20 that in Christ Jesus, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. That's to you and that's to me. Now, what we need to do is fulfill the will of God in our life, and we'll see those things walked out. We'll see those things brought across our path. We'll see all of the blessings and all of the promises of God in our life. He's faithful. Romans 10.23, I think Pastor Pam had that in her message on Sunday. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. We want it tomorrow. It may be next week. But it's always on time. And it's always exactly what we need in the moment in which we need it. That's what he does. And examples of this are all through the Old Testament. And they list them kind of in Hebrews 11.1. 1. But it tells of the people of the Old Testament who persevered in, in moments where they had to see God great. And, you know, it, start, it starts with Cain. And it goes through Abraham and Moses and, and Joseph. And it, and it tells all the people who stood and said, okay, God. This is what you said. You know, Abraham said, said, leave your family, which was totally unheard of in those days. Leave your family and go out to some place where I'm going to tell you where it's going to be. And then, you know, even though you're a very old man, you're going to have a baby. You know, those are things that he stood in and he stepped out in because he trusted God. And it gives us example after example after example. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith. And these are the people who we should imitate. But more than that, we should imitate Jesus because we have a better way even than that. We have a way that includes the Holy Spirit. They just did it because they loved God and they trusted God and and they saw evil and they saw good and they wanted good and they just stepped out without the inner witness that says, yeah, I'm here, keep going, yeah, I'm here, keep going. They just had to trust that what they heard was true. And we have even more. We have even more because we have the Holy Spirit with us. So we have a better plan. But if we look at those examples, it shows us time and time again that when they stepped out, God was faithful. When they stepped out, God was faithful. And they went from glory to glory to Mm -hmm. glory. It never says that they stepped out and God wasn't there. I mean, we don't live by the same rules that the people in the Old Testament live by, but we get to see examples of lives that were laid down to follow a promise that God gave them, and we got to see God great. Mm-hmm. When they laid down their lives, you saw God great. Yeah, and the, deal, and the deal was at the end, if you read through chapter 11, and right before you get to 12, we like chapter 12 because it says we're surrounded by such a greater cloud of witnesses, and it's all these people that Elizabeth was just talking about. As we read through here, what we have to recognize goes back to the first point in this, next, in this, this last section, that... that All of the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. In the Old Testament, there was was no guarantor of those things in their life besides God. But here's the deal. They didn't even have Jesus to look back on. They didn't even receive the promise. They did all of these things just in hope of pleasing God, not even receiving the true promise, the Son of God. That it says in verse 39 that they did all of these things and all of these people who were in this chapter having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. They did this stuff that they did. They stepped out in faith 
to grasp hold and to please God and to, to have the things that he has shown them and, and to go after the promised land and all of those things. But they did so not even knowing that there would be everlasting life for them if they passed away. Because there was no Jesus at that time. He was prophesied to come all through the Old Testament. It was said he will be here and the Savior of the world and the way the Prince of Peace will come. And he will. But they hadn't had it yet. But they still persevered even though they didn't know really truly there wasn't a plan that was put into practice that they could look back and see like we do. We can look back and we can read this and we understand that. And that's the basis of our life in Christ is the fact that we're born again and now we are, we are strictly pure because we're blood relatives of Jesus Christ. We're overcomers. They didn't have that. Most of the people in the Old Testament, just about every one of them couldn't really even hear from God. They had to hear from somebody else telling them what God was saying. We are so far advanced spiritually in our life just in coming to Christ at the altar and receiving him. But in our life, then we have to take that and we have to grow. I mean, that's good stuff. I mean, that's good to know that you're going to be saved and that your life's going to be changed. And there are a lot of people who really, truly, that's what they want to know. Am I going to be all right if I die? Well, you have to know Jesus. But let me tell you, there's more to that story. There's more to that. But it's a continual fight of faith that we have to walk through. And you have to do so in faith and with patience. If you look in Hebrews in chapter 10, Sorry, it's not Hebrews 10. It's uh, Hebrews 6. And it starts in verse 10, and it says, For God is, is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, so that you don't become sluggish. What happens? You begin to, it looks and feels like you're walking in quicksand. And, and you, you, your life is just getting, getting just like more and more bogged down. And that we become just a touch sluggish in our walk and in our, in our worship and in, 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 our, in our praise and in, in our offerings and, and in our prayer life and in, in, our, in our study time and in our quiet time with the Lord. And, and all of these things just kind of get just a little bit sluggish. Like, you know, I was, I was on it. When you, were, when you were saved or when your life was really cooking or humming, man, you were, you, you were rolling and you were in it and you were, you were hitting all the I's and crossing all the T's and you were, you were doing all of those things. And then suddenly you look back now and you're like, what happened? Well, I kind of went from doing that to like every other day to like, well, I did it for three days. I didn't do it for two days. What is that? That's this. That's becoming this. That's becoming sluggish a little bit in our walk. And it's not to beat us over the head. We all end up in these places. And what we do is we have to allow God to shake us out of that a little bit and say, whoa, I need to I need to get a grip. This happens. This happens to, to, to everybody. A lot of the time, life just gets busy, and you don't mean to. You don't turn your back. You just, you just, life just gets busy. I looked back about three weeks ago and realized I was a month behind in my Bible reading. Holy smokes! And I, I, I'm the pastor. And I, but you know what? I don't even know how I got a month behind. Well, you know what happened? Stanley was here. I was in tall. I mean, putt putt. All of those things were going on, and I was running from eight o'clock to eight o'clock all the time. And the the time that I set aside for that just got booted out. I wasn't not doing something because I was taking care of Pastor Stanley. I was taking him to meetings and going places with him and doing all these things. And then we were doing things for putt putt. And I was in Tulsa going to all these meetings. But eventually, what happens is you find yourself. Whoa, whoa! What happened? Now I'm all good. 
I'm just about caught up. I doubled up, and I'm, I'm about close. I had God give, give me a plan. 30 days is a long time. That's a lot of chapters. But see, we can't become sluggish. We have to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherited the promises. And you say, I've been doing this for a long time. Well, that's kind of what patience is about. And it's also about doing it a long time and not complaining about it. Because if you look at patience, it says bearing pain or trials without complaint. I've been bearing pain and trials. Yeah, but I've heard you complain. Not you. Showing self-control, persevering. That's what it means to have patience. Abraham did that. If you go on here real quick, it says in verse 13, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That that's part of the process, that's part of the walking it out in this life. We already talked about having to endure. It says in Timothy, we're supposed to endure hardship as Jesus Christ, or endure hardship as a good soldier. So we've already talked about that. But realize that enduring with patience... Patience, they say, is a virtue, right? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. That's walking in faith and not in the flesh all the time. And while he was waiting for this promise, while he was waiting for what God promised him, he lived sure on Mm. this world, in this world. Mm -hmm. He was sure that God was able. He was sure that God was going to do it. He was sure that his promise was coming. And he lived his life that way. He didn't live going back and forth. He didn't live questioning God. He lived knowing that he knew that he knew that he knew that God was going to do it. It says, I I like the um, message version of this one. It says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's in Romans 4, sorry, 19 through 21. It says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptic questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. I mean, that, that's the way, we, that's the way we, we should live our lives, is knowing that God is going to do what he's going to do. I mean, we've all had instances where we know something's going to happen and the way we act about it is totally different. Uh, We use the analogy on Monday night, like if you know somebody's coming to pick you up and take you someplace, you act totally different. Like if it's a big event and you're all excited about it, you, 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 you dress differently, you talk differently, you look differently, you're excited, you're sitting by the door, you're waiting because you know they're coming any minute, and, it's, and you're ready to go. You are ready to go, and you are expecting fun. You're expecting excitement. You're expecting good things. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting in the basement with your flip-flops on going through your old clothes, <laughs> wondering which you're going to take to Goodwill and which you're going to throw out. I mean, that's not what you do when you're waiting for something, when you're expecting something. And in this, in this expectancy, because you're sure that it's going to happen, you're sure that you're going, you've got the tickets, your friend's coming by to pick you up, you, that's a different expectation than, than sitting in the basement with your flip-flops on, going through your old clothes. I mean, that's no expectation of anything going to happen. So, you know, that expectancy, that, that assurance 
that you, that you have is knowing that God is able and not letting the enemy tell you or not letting the devil tell you that, that it's not going to happen and pulling you to the right or to the left. You just live confidently knowing. I know that God asked me to give this seed, to plant this seed. So I know that he is more than able to give it back to me. I know that he is more than able to take care of the things that concern me. And I am just waiting expectantly for my seeds to be multiplied, for my harvest. I thank you, God, that my harvest is right here because you are a good God who is faithful. Not, oh, my gosh, I just gave my last $5. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's, I've got to get gas in my car. La, 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 you know. God, I know that you are faithful and that you are more than enough and that your abundance is here for everything that concerns me and that you know where I am. You know, when you're in that place, then it, you, 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 get this, you get this expectancy like she is talking about. I remember when Corey and I were, his car had died just a couple years ago or about a year and a half ago or somewhere in there, and, and uh, his car was not going to be around anymore. Uh, the Intrepid had been driven its last mile, and uh, it was over. And uh, it was probably a good thing. It, it wasn't safe. And so once the, you know, that was done, they, they were in a position, though, where they really needed to see God be gone. And I remember talking to Corey and hearing what he was saying to me because the things he was saying to me was what he was, what he was believing and what he was sure God was about to do, that God would have to make a way, that God would have to provide a van, that God would have to do this because in their own world and in their own finances, it wasn't necessarily an option at the moment. But they had been giving and planted seed and done a lot of things and were walking in the will of God. And as it came to the moment and it came to the time, somebody drove up to their house out of the blue and gave them a brand new van and said, you know, this is yours. You can drive it, whatever, man. You just this we're going to pay for it. And you're going to just you're just going to enjoy yourself and just be blessed. You know, but it was it was this it was this assurance that, that God it wasn't assurance that, OK, these people are going to do it or it wasn't a, a demand of God to say, look, you better get down here. It was just the thing that said, I know I'm in a tight spot. I know we're in a place where we can't make a way. And out of his mouth, so God's going to have to make a way for us to do this and began to speak that began to believe that began to walk that planted seed did the things that they knew that they were supposed to do. And that God just came through. Why? Because he is he is a God of promise and condition. And he is a fulfiller of all the promises. And as you begin to call on God, but you're in the right place, you're in the right position, you're fighting from a place of victory, you're not giving back, you're resisting the enemy that says, I'm going to have to walk and get a bus pass or whatever that might be. You continue to go the direction that God wants you to go. You can't stop and you won't, you won't be unsure. And Moses or Abraham was totally sure that God could bring him that kid. Now listen to this, though, for just a second. He trusted God. Not just that God would fulfill the promise, but then after the promise came, he trusted God with the promise. See, he didn't just trust him for it. I think many times, like Pastor Pam had said, you know, I mean, she she received that and then she, she did whatever she did with it. Sometimes we receive what we've been believing for. We're like, wow, God really came through. And then we're like, thanks, I'll take it from here. Because I've been believing for this a long time. I've been standing for this a long time. I've been praying for this a long time. You know, people believe and stand for, for, for someone to come into their life because they want to be married. And then they come in and, and God brings them the right person. They're like, yeah, I'll take it from here. Look out. You don't want to do marriage on your own. You want God involved in all those areas. 
But see, Abraham ended up having, Sarah had Isaac. They had the promise. But then once he had the promise, God wasn't done with him, and he wasn't done with that promise. He had to trust God with that boy because he went then and he took that young man and he took him to the mountain and God tested his heart and tested who he was. And it's in Hebrews in chapter 11 where it says, the, 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 just the short version, says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had, who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. He said, I trusted you for this. I stood for this for all of those years. I knew you would do this. And in this place, I will even take the thing that I stood for and trusted you for. And I will still give that to you and trust you with it. Many people, like Pastor Pam said of the offering, they end up becoming somewhat successful financially, and then that begins to be the thing that, that pulls them away from the things that God has for them. Believed God, stood, planted seeds, struggled, did all the things, walked by faith and not by sight, began to be blessed, then take that thing and allow God to do something with it because it really truly is His. We're just stewards. And then it says that, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding in verse 19, that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He knew God was able, not able just to bring him, but able to also take care of him because he was the promise, and God is not a one who takes the promise and then takes it away from you. He has given you the promise, and he takes you from that thing to the next thing. Now, the... Assurance stoppers, the things that will keep you from being sure, are fear, doubt, and unbelief. Mm -hmm. And any one of these will keep you from inheriting the promise that you have. You know, fear is the opposite of faith. And if you're not sure of what you believe, or as soon as you think you know what God says, fear will immediately come to try to steal that seed. Immediately. How are you going to do that? What's it going to be? La, 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 la. And, and fear, worry, all those things, they're sin. And they keep you from inheriting the promise of God. Doubt, well, God will never do that. That's impossible. That can't happen. I, I can't make that happen. <laughs> because we, we, we get afraid that God's not going to come through, and we look at our own abilities, and then our own abilities let us down, and we can't do that. And then unbelief God will do it for you but I don't think he'll do it for me I'm not worthy of that there's nothing in me that makes it good but the but the key to it is understanding the love of God because when you understand the love of God then you understand the goodness of God it says um, in first John four eighteen, it says there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, you, when you love God and he loves you, then you understand the relationship. And then um, faith is m- more of a, a leaning into who he is. You know, it, it's a boldness. It's a, it's a security. It's really just a knowing who you are. And... Um, you know, I, I would imagine if I were, I were the queen of England, I've often thought of myself in that role or something like it. But, you know, I'm just saying. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that Prince Charles, like when 
his grandma says, hey, could you go do this for me? Like, he doesn't think about how he's going to get there. He doesn't think about what he's going to eat along the way. He doesn't think about who's going to pay the bill at the hotel. He just, you know, oh, which private plane am I going to take? He doesn't think about any of that. He just says, yeah, sure. I'm going to do that for you, Grandma. And he goes and he does it. And he does it in a very stately way. And he's very well taken care of because he knows who he is. And he's used to that role. It's not like he has to, you know, push his way through everybody and knock everybody down. I'm the Prince of England. You know, no, he doesn't have to do that. He just knows who he is. So he acts in that role. And we are children of the Most High God, the ruler of heaven and earth, who created everything. And it says that every name in heaven and earth is under the name of Jesus. And we are joint heirs with Jesus. That's who we are. Now, that's, that's an assurance. That's a concrete knowing of who you are. And it's a leaning into relying on that when you live your life. It's knowing who you are and living your life that way. That's the assurance that you have. And if you, if you forget about that for just a minute, these things will come right away. Fear, doubt, and unbelief. Right away. But if you know who you are and you remind yourself that that's conforming or renewing your mind to the word, keeping that in front of you, knowing what you believe, when when you do that, then you live your life assured of who you are. Yeah, and faith is just total trust in God. Really, truly, you have you're going to have faith in yourself. You're going to have faith in your friends, your family. You're going to have faith in someone as a believer. The key is that we have faith in God. In Proverbs in chapter 3, you know, it says that, that we're supposed to trust him with everything, not just a piece of what we have, not just a little part of what we have, but in verse 5 it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Too many times, you know, as she was talking about not knowing, you know, what's going to happen or not how it's going to happen, I, I hear people say this, I just can't see how. That's the beginning of what they're going to say. When you're beginning to tell them about the goodness of God and, and how, how he comes through, how he makes a way, how he provides, this is the first thing that someone will say to you. I can't see how it could happen for me. Or I can't see how that would work because of my situation. Well, that's us looking with our natural eyes and knowing who we are away from Christ. Who are we in Christ? Everything that we need to be to be victorious. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says he has given us the victory in our life. He has poured that out to us. He died on the cross, as Lori said earlier, so that we could exchange all of that and receive, in this case, his victory. So we're victorious. We're different. 1 Peter chapter 2 says that we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That we're his holy children, that he has picked us. He knew who you were, what you were going to become when he went to the cross that day. And he was so excited and so glad to do it. That when we understand and know that, because sometimes we forget, sometimes I need somebody to come and give me a little bit of a spiritual shaking and saying, hey, remember who you are. Now, it's not always a one-on-one thing. Sometimes it's just in a service. Sometimes it's in a place. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, what was I thinking? Because now I remember that I'm victorious. Now I remember that he loves me so much that I'm his child, that he has provided victory for me and everything else. If he gave Jesus on the cross, it says, then how could he hold back any other gift? That was the greatest gift that he already had to give. 
And since he gave that gift, everything else then is just icing on the cake in our lives. And to God, it's easy for him to give them to his children. But just like you and just like me, we don't necessarily want to honor or reward bad behavior in our children. So as you continually fight a fight of faith, as you continually fight with the word of God, as you continue to stand on the word, like it says in Ephesians chapter 6, as you continue to pull down the vain imaginations, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as you continue to go against the principalities and the powers, the rulers of the darkness in this age, how do you do that? By faith. You don't start licking your thumbs and say, come on, let's go, devil. I mean, you'd be swinging around like, "Where, where are you now? We know that he is the enemy, and so we resist him steadfastly in the faith. Well, what is our tool? The word of God. We understand the fight in which we fight. We understand how to fight that fight. We understand that this is our weapon and that we need to know our weapon inside and out. They don't send Marines and, and people in the Army and the Navy and all the other armed forces out into the world without knowing all of their weapons. They take them first. They take them to a place of basic training. They get their bodies in shape. They get them all physically fit to fight. They teach them all about the weapons of their warfare. They teach them how to take them apart, put them together. When they break, this is how you fix it. This is how you feed it. This is how you eat it. This is how you run it. This is how you do it. And they train them to the point where they can do these things almost without thinking they actually would have them better better go out and fight a battle without thinking train you to the point where it's instinct that's the way we're supposed to be with the word of god if we want to continually fight a fight of faith we have to get to the point in our life where it's instinct where when the enemy comes we know the word when things stand against us we know to speak the word to take Proverbs chapter 3 to heart, to trust in the Lord in all of my ways. Lean not on my understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him. In Psalms 37, as you begin to feed on his faithfulness and trust in the Lord, it says he will give you the desires of your heart. Those things come into your life. Those promises are met. Why? Because you're feeding and trusting on him. That this is the thing that we rely on and that we, we, we put our trust in. And that when the enemy comes, it's not a problem anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all walking around driving Rolls Royce and we're all, you know, all, we, we are all going through the day just like everybody else. But I will tell you this, we are all rich in Christ Jesus. It says so, that he will meet all of our needs in Philippians chapter 4 by his riches in Christ Jesus. The definition of rich that I use is having need of what I need when I need it. Sorry, having what I need when I need it. Yes. That's the definition of rich that I live by. And you know what? In my life over the last, in our life over the last 10 years, we've been rich. They're not Wall Street protesters out in front of my house. (laughs) But we've been rich because we've had every single thing that we've had need of in our life when we needed it. We've had to pray. We've had, we've had to sacrifice. We've had to give more than we ever thought we'd have to give. We had to lay our life down. We had to do some things we did, would, would probably rather not have done in the, in the natural. But I'm telling you what, the payoff is you get to be rich. That everywhere that you go, your needs are met and that people are, that, that people are giving to you, like it says in Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give unto your bosom? Now, some of that's financial, of course, but a lot of it's just the favor of God and the things that I have need when I need it. People being there with the right deal when I need a deal. People being there with the right thing when I need it. People being there with the right hurt when I have the word to share with them that's going to set them free in that particular situation. It's no different for any of us. This becomes the thing that we rely on, that we stand on. It's our firm foundation. It's our weapon. And if you will know this, understand this, know who you are in Christ as we've been talking about, 
understand what is faith, all the things we talked about over, those, over these four weeks, yeah, that's fine. Just know who you are in Christ and what you have in this. Because the people who were in the Word of God who have done great things just followed the will of God for their life and just did what He asked. And if we'll just do what He asked, He'll take care of the promises, He'll take care of the fulfillment, and He'll take care of getting us to the place we need to be. And that's where we're all headed, right? The next step, the next place, and the next level. Amen. We're going to go there together. Praise God. Let's stand up. Amen. We'll pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.